Well, last week I started on a series that I don't know how long it's going to take us, and I don't know if I'm going to go the whole way or not, but just been wanting to bring out a series of notes that I did a long time ago. I've preached on it a couple times over the years. But there was a period in my life where I studied the life of David. And I studied it from a point of view of just wanting to be a leader. There's very few people in the Bible that there's that kind of stories and and history and Bible written about such a person that was such a great leader for such a long time. And so through his ups and downs, I learned a ton from the Bible in, in his life. And it's really personal to me because I didn't go through a course. I just sat down and just took notes on, Lord, through the good and the bad of his life, he was a man after your own heart and Show me some leadership skills in this particular series of notes. And so last week we started on that, and I just began to tell everybody that it's important for everybody because everybody is called to be a leader. Now, it might not be in a capacity of running a ministry or the top of a business or, or whatever it may be, but everybody has the opportunity to have people around them that they can lead, everybody. Everybody has a sphere or should have a sphere around them that you have the opportunity to lead somebody to the next level. And God expects that out of us, that we seek after God and we search for God and and we have our leadership skills grown in God and then to help bring others along with us. And in the process, that's why we have, we should be hanging out with other people that are smarter than us too, at least in certain areas so that we can grow and be a better leader. And so everybody's called to be a leader. And I love leadership because it doesn't matter how, how old you are. You can be a leader. As a matter of fact, as you get older, it's one of those things, not like sports where you, you kind of have a, have a cap on your age and then you're done. It's like with leadership, the older you get, the more valuable you become because you obtain more knowledge or should be obtaining more knowledge as the years go on. So really at the end of someone's life, they should be at the peak of their leadership. And so as you age, and it doesn't matter what age you're at, you should be able to become a better leader. So last week we started off just simply in the life of David before David was anointed as king and how the people had wanted a king and God allowed it and the king Saul, Saul was the first king of Israel. Now we looked last week how Saul messed up being a king and God went and said, okay, you people wanted a king, now I'm going to choose the king for Israel. And the Bible tells us that God sent Samuel, the prophet, to anoint one of the sons of Jesse. And he showed up there and went to Jesse's house and said, I'm here to anoint your son. And Jesse brought out the oldest son, Eliab, first. And, and God spoke to Samuel and said, this isn't, this isn't the one. He says, do you have another son? And he brought another son. No, this isn't the one. This isn't the one. This isn't the one. Seven sons later, he's finally like, do you have anybody else? And Jesse was like, well, I got this son, but he's out in the field tending sheep. Do you want me to go get him? And so they fetch David and he shows up and God speaks to Samuel and says, this is the next king of Israel. So David is anointed the next king of Israel. And so during this time, the spirit of the Lord leaves Saul, the king of Israel at the time. David's going to be the future king. Already anointed, the time needs to pass before David becomes the king of Israel. And during this time, because God is displeased with Saul, he pulls his spirit from Saul, the anointing from, from Saul. And distressing spirits start to mess with Saul start to torment him. And so Saul goes to his servants, his advisors, and says, hey, is there anybody that can help me with this, who can come and soothe my soul with music, my spirit with music? And so one of his servants says, I know this guy named David. He's like a real faithful dude, and he's, 
He's good at music and he can do this thing. He's, he's, he's anointed of God for this. And so Saul calls for King David and King David comes into Saul's presence and plays music to Saul to relieve him from the spirits that are tormenting him. And so we took a look at that and thought how cool God is. And it's a great leadership skill. And the first one that we looked at last week is that leaders respect timing. Now, David was already anointed to be the next king of Israel. And he could have been like, what am I doing here playing music for Saul? He's tormented. The spirit of God has already left him. Why should I be trying to soothe his spirit when I'm the next king of Israel? Pride could have done that, but he didn't. He went in there and he played music and served Saul for a long, long, long time. And the Bible tells us that every time David would play, that spirits would leave. But the most amazing thing about this is because David went and served Saul, David was able to watch for years how the kingdom of Israel was run. And so David was a shepherd boy. He had no idea how to run a kingdom. But God, in his supernatural wisdom and ways, got Saul to call for somebody. David ends up showing up, being a servant to Saul. And David is there serving Saul, but has the ability to watch how the kingdom is run. And so here's the shepherd boy that God placed in a position to learn while he was serving. And that was the first lesson that we learned last week is that good leaders respect God's timing, that they don't rush it, that they believe God is taking them from glory unto glory, from faith unto faith. And a lot of times when we get too impatient and think I should be king already, like David could have thought, or I should be here already, we miss what God is doing in our lives at the moment. And we forget that God might be preparing us for the next level like he was David. David just in there serving, but God was preparing him, letting him watch Saul run the kingdom, seeing how things were run, getting ready. And so we can use that in our lives. Rather than always being so impatient about where we're supposed to be in life, sometimes we just ought to sit down and go, God, what are you teaching me in the moment for my next phase? Because maybe we're circling that mountain. Maybe we're staying there because we're not learning what we need to learn in that moment to go to the next level, like David had to learn to be king. Does that make sense? So this goes on for a while. And during this period of time that David is serving Saul back and forth, Israel goes to war with the Philistines. Now, this is one of the most famous stories in all the Bible. And I'm sure all of you have heard to some degree or another the story of David versus Goliath. But Israel ends up going to war with the Philistines. And how this whole thing comes about, David and Goliath, is that there's a valley in the middle. And the Philistines are on a hill on one side, and Israel's on a hill on the other side. And they are engaging back and forth in acts of war. And so one of the Philistine guys comes out, who's a giant, massive man, comes out and he starts to torment the Israel army. And he comes out and he says, hey, why are we all going to battle? He's schmoozing things up here. Why are we all going to battle? Why are we going to lose all of our men? Why don't you just take your best warrior, send them down here, fight me. And whoever wins out of this battle, that army will have to serve the winning army. And he would do this every single day. He would go down and he would torment the children of Israel. This is happening day in, day out, day in, day out. Now, as this is going on, David is not there. He's back with his dad tending the sheep. But every once in a while, his dad would give David some food, some meat and some cheese and some bread 
to take it to three of his brothers that were serving in the army. The three oldest brothers were serving in the army at the time. And so Jesse would send David to go and take them food while he was tending the sheep. And so my next point in leadership is the first one is leaders understand timing. The second one is leaders understand responsibility. Remember last week we started to talk about servanthood and how David was such a great servant? Well, leaders understand servanthood. And all leaders understand that while they're waiting in that timing for God, that we are all called to operate in different roles for a season. I mean, anybody who, any of us who have some years behind us, we realize that we've gone through different seasons. And if you've been involved with things long enough, you've even probably cycled a couple times at the next level and things, you start to recognize things as, as you grow in God, that here's another round of, of this just at another level. But we understand, leaders understand responsibility and that we have to operate in different roles for a season. And here David, in the middle of bringing meat and cheese to his brothers, serving, serving. He wasn't part of the army. He was just bringing some cheese to his brothers. While serving, ends up in the right place at the right time for one of the greatest moments in history. And again, respecting God's timing and serving while we're respecting God's timing is so important. Not complaining while we're waiting on God. Serving while we're waiting on God. That's the same thing with Joseph. Joseph went from glory unto glory. Why? Because he, was all, he got into so much uh, bad situations, but he served every time he was in a bad situation. And so here David is just serving, and God puts him in the middle of one of the greatest opportunities in history. And so leaders understand that responsibility, that while we're waiting on God, we don't complain. We serve. Because that's who we're called to be throughout our entire life. The greatest leaders are what? The greatest servants. Jesus said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Those who are the greatest servants on earth. It's a godly principle that we've got to get into us. Because when we serve, it doesn't look like we're being elevated. But when we serve, God is getting ready to elevate us. Does that make sense? And so if we have faith and trust in God, we know that as, if we're, as we're serving, if we're to go to the next level, it doesn't matter. We don't have to take it the next level ourselves. God will promote us to that next level. And so we need to understand responsibility and we need to understand to serve. Now I have a question in my notes here that says, are opportunities taken or are they given? And my answer to that is both. Opportunities are given of God. They're the favor of God. They are. But we take them by serving and then taking the opportunity when it arises. Does that make sense? And so you want to position yourself for opportunity, what do we do? We serve and we serve patiently. Now those two things are hard. Nobody wants to serve and serve patiently all the time, right? I don't, but it's the kingdom way, right? Just like in the kingdom of God, you know, even generosity is talked about so much. It's like, if you pull the dollars out of your pocket and give it away, then God will bring more to you. That doesn't make earthly sense, does it? But that's what makes us so different. We do things so different. Why? Because we believe in God. We believe that God sees that transaction and believe that he will respond with a transaction, right? We believe that when we serve somebody, that when we're ready to be elevated, God will be the one to elevate us. It's very different than scraping and scratching our way to the top like the world does it. It's very much different. 
The greatest in the kingdom of God are the greatest servants. So are opportunities taken or given? Well, they're both. They're given to us because we position ourselves by serving. Make sense? All right. So David shows up on scene, and we're going to pick this scripture up here in 1 Samuel chapter 17, 24 to 29, says this. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, Goliath, fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. Just imagine that. One guy coming out. You are the children of God. You are the army of God. And the Bible tells us that they were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. They want this guy gone bad. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? And already he's thinking, I'm going to volunteer, but I want to know what the goods are here too. He's smart. It's like, before I volunteer, I want to get this in writing. <laughs> for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness, you little peasant? I know your pride and your insolence of your heart. You have come down here to see the battle, to see us be slaughtered. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? So David finds out what's going on, and he volunteers. And his brothers are mad. And David says, why are you mad? Is there not a cause? Let me paraphrase that for you. You bunch of chicken littles. You're like crying and hiding under rocks. And I just come up here and start asking if I can go take them on. And you're getting mad at me. Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason for someone to stand up? So some of my notes here I have are, no matter what you do for God, someone isn't going to like it no matter how heroic it may seem. Because there's resistance with the will of God. There is. There's resistance with the will of God. And it's not flesh and blood that we war against. It's, it's the enemy. But as soon as you go to step out for God and do what God wants us to do, there's going to be resistance. But David pinned the point here and he said, is there not a cause? Now pause there. We do a lot of things so that people can see us looking good, like the brother thought was going to happen, Right? You know, we do things for pride. We do things for money. We do things for all sorts of things that we have to judge ourselves on. And so if we're going to do something, we need to do it for a cause. Leaders do what is right. That's my note. Leaders do what is right. And righteousness needs to be our guide. It may fling you out in the middle of something where it looks like nobody's on your side. The enemy's trying to kill you. Your own brother thinks your motive is wrong and you should handle the situation differently. But leaders do what is right. Why? Simply because it is right. It's that simple. Leaders do what is right because it's right. Let me give an example, just a little example. You're in a crowd and somebody starts picking on the underdog. And the peer pressure of it, your flesh doesn't want you to step in and stick up for that person. What is right? What is right? When you're in a friend group and gossip starts to happen about people, 
and you're feeling not good about it, but you don't really want to stand up for that person. Or even sometimes you add to the gossip because we're in a negative season ourselves, or feeling bad ourselves, or maybe we're mad at that person. And so we join in with the gossip. But what is the right thing to do? What's the right thing to do? Business, whatever it may be, fudging numbers, whatever it may be, what is the right thing to do? How we live our lives morally, what is the right thing to do? And it's that simple. That's how simple most leadership is. Leaders do things because simply it's the right thing to do. That, that, that point should get us through most leadership. But we do it because it's right. Not for fame, not for position, but because it is the right thing to do. So David shows up and says, is there not a cause? His brother says, oh, you're just prideful. He says, no, there's a cause here. And so he finds Saul and he convinces Saul to let him fight the battle. And 1 Samuel 17, 33 to 40 says this, and Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight him for you're a youth. And he a man of war from his youth. You're just a youth and you're just, you're, he's been at war since he was your age. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from the mouth. And it rose against me and I caught it by the beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head and also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. So I have here in my notes that leaders are ready to do what is right, when it's right, in season and out of season. And I love that scripture right there because it's what we just talked about. David was out serving in the field, serving, being a shepherd in the field, and God was bringing some trials his way, or at least trials came, and God was helping him through the trials. Now, David was already anointed. Now, I don't, you know, unless a grizzly bear attacks you in the wild, I trust that God can get that knife out of your pocket with you. And I've, I, there's two guys in there locally that's killed a grizzly bear by hand, by the way. But I don't suggest that you go out looking for grizzly bears and lions to try to kill them and grab them by the beard. Okay? David was anointed of God. He had a special anointing on his life to be king of Israel. And those were two situations where, you know, I'm assuming the anointing came on David. And it was like, you ain't taking my sheep. Or maybe he says, you ain't taking my sheep and went for it. And the anointing came on him and he grabbed him by the beard and gave him some what for and killed the lion with his bare hands. And so out in the field, he was practicing to be king, even though he was just serving sheep. And we're going back to that point about, you know, respecting the timing of God and being a servant while you're waiting on God to take you from glory unto glory, take you to the next level. But leaders are ready in season and out. First Timothy 4.2 says this, preach the word, 
Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. And so if we're to be Christian leaders, you don't have to know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. You don't have to be a great theologian. But you can prepare yourself to have an answer for people. You can. You're not going to have all the answers for people, but you can have the answers for what you need for your sphere. And maybe your sphere is simply just introducing them to Jesus Christ. Right? And so people will be like, how do you know there's God? Or why do you go to this church thing? Or why, do, why, why are you a Christian? And that can make a lot of people nervous. Now, the one reason we get nervous is just out of fear, right? It's the pressure of the enemy. The enemy doesn't want that person saved. There's that pressure. But sometimes there's a pressure because we just don't know what to say. We don't know what to say. And so we need to be prepared on what to say. And again, you don't have to be a great theologian. You just need a few simple things on, on, on what to say about yourself. First of all, just your testimony. You know, I say it all the time when people say, there is no God. You know, you hear me say this. I say, too late, I met him. <laughs> right? He's real to me. Too late, I met him. And that'll get him thinking right there. What do you mean you met him? He's real to me. He's alive. He's out of the grave. Right? That's the first part is just them seeing that he's real to you. Like when I got saved in 1994 and there was my parents and a few people around me, they just thought I was going through a phase because I'd done a lot of different things in my young adult life. But that phase has been since 1994 now. It's not a phase. I met him. That's the difference. It's not, Trent, you think there's God. No, I met him. I know him. And so to be prepared, like I said, you don't have to know everything, but you just need to know a little bit. Be prepared for that. Be prepared that people might ask you or might come against you or whatever it may be, you know? And you don't need to argue anybody into the kingdom of God. That's not being prepared. That's being ill-prepared. If you're going to argue someone into the kingdom of God, we've talked about this many times. How do people come into the kingdom of God? Who calls them into the kingdom of God? The Holy Ghost calls them into the kingdom of God. Now, he does it through our words because the, the words of God you can't separate them from the Spirit of God. And so just knowing a couple things, I mean, just knowing the famous verse in all the universe, <laughs> on all the world, for God so loved the world, right? That's great preparation right there. Or even simpler than that, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now they might say, you're crazy, but I guarantee you when they're laying in their bed at night, or maybe they had one too many brewskis, and they're hanging over the toilet screaming for God's help. Right? Or there's a car coming at them in the middle of an intersection. Or their marriage is falling apart. Or their kids are in trouble. They might think you're crazy in the moment. But don't tell me those circumstances in life aren't going to make them think about going, Jesus! Again, it doesn't take much preparation. That's the most powerful name in the world. I met him, and all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he forgave me of my sins, and he didn't take me because I'm so good. He took me, and I'm bad, and he's so good. Now, that's just on the gospel, and there's just many other things, right? That, that we, need, we don't need to know a lot, but just being ready is more important than knowing a lot. Just being ready with a couple little things. So we're ready in season and out. So I'm just going to finish up with this point. Verse 45 to 47. Then David said to the Philistine, 
After he goes down to him, you come with me, you come to me with sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and I will take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, and that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword and a spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Now, I know this is kind of gory for some of you, and I'm not saying that should be your leadership skill to tell people <laughs> this. And he's telling people that he's going to run down there, and he's going to take his sword, and he's going to chop his head off, and he's going to feed the carcasses of all the Philistines to the wild animals. Probably not your leadership skills at work. But in the middle of war, here is this ruddy little servant kid that is talking to the most feared guy in those two armies and talking to him with such confidence. It's unbelievable. Where did he get such confidence? Where did he get such confidence? The Lord. And that's the last point for today. Good leaders know where their confidence comes from. It's from the Lord. We talked about it the other day. He has called you. He's called you so uniquely. And the best thing you can do in life is be the best you. Don't compare yourself to somebody else. Don't compare yourself to another leader. You can learn from them. But you need to be the best you. Because God has designed you to be the best you. But to be the best you, your confidence has to be in Him. In Him. And David's confidence was in him. He threw the armor aside. He went down with a sling and five stones. And he spoke to that giant like he was an ant in the field. And leaders know where our confidence comes from. Now David said this thing, and again, I don't think you should be calling people this in your workplace. But before he told Goliath what he was going to do to him, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would dare to find the armies of the living God? Now don't go around calling your workmates that. He wasn't making fun of body parts. What David was saying was, the Jews are all circumcised and protected by God in this era, in this period of time. And you, buddy, you think that you're going to be able to take God's army? He didn't go down there in strength. He went down there in the strength of the Lord. Why? Because he knew it was the will of God and he was anointed by God to get the work done. To seal that point off. What you are called to do of God, God has empowered you to do it. No matter what Goliath you face in life, no matter what you face in life, when you find out who God has made you to be and you walk out in the power that God has given you to be that person in life, not only will a confidence come with it, but the power of God will come with it to do whatever we need to do in life that God has called us to do. Isn't that cool? Did you get something out of that this morning? Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, you've called us all to be leaders, God, and we are thankful. But God, we don't take it for granted that there's people around us that we need to lead in one way or another. So I pray for every person in this place and I call us leaders in the name of Jesus.
God, I pray that you'll dial us in to this next season of life on what we are supposed to be doing on this earth. God, you will show us who we are. You know us better than we know ourselves. And you will show us who we are and what our next season of life is going to look like. Lord, we receive from you. We receive vision from you. We receive anointing from you. We receive giftings from you. Father, I ask that you lead us and guide us to our next victory for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's for everybody. Everybody's got somebody to talk to for the kingdom of God. That is so cool. And anything happened this week in leadership where you're talking to somebody, please let me know. I'm excited about what, what God is going to do in this series. So please let me know the interactions that you're going to have because God's going to bring them. Amen.